Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. You are you. As always, we are joined by our illustrious super producer, Noel, um, Noel Sherlock Brown. Sherlock's good. Yeah, I think that's one we maybe have not used yet because, you know, this is uh, this is another edition of one of our mystery episodes where you don't know what I'm going to ask you, and we're going to do it a little different this time. Right. You are also going to ask me a question or have uh, a topic that I don't know about as well. So we're going to do two in one here. And uh, there is some precedent for this. We've done this eight times already. I've mm-hmm. looked up all the dates and times we've done this. And it started back in June of last year and went all the way through September. But we haven't done one since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be our ninth, and I guess ninth and tenth, if you want to count it. Um, you know, you want to want to be legit about it. I suppose. Sure. Ninth and tenth topics or mystery topics. It's a double feature. A double feature. That's the best way to put it, maybe. So I, I guess since we're going to try to cram two into this one, uh-huh. maybe we should just jump right in with my uh, my question to you. And uh, I, I hope it, it spawns some thought among listeners, you know, that they might uh, write in with some responses to this mm-hmm. as well. All right. All right. So here's my question. Shoot. Should you ever buy a base model car? Not have you ever, not uh, not could you, but should you ever should buy you? a base model car? Now, this applies to Ooh. new and used, so think about it in a lot of different ways. Right, but right. Here's, here's what got me thinking about this. Okay. My wife's vehicle, that uh, that Jeep Renegade that she's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a, a scarcity of options and features on that thing. It's a base model vehicle. It's, it's the lowest level Jeep Renegade you can get. And the problem with that is that we're seeing, or at least I'm seeing, the worst version of that car that they can possibly make, really. I mean, it's it's not great. There's a lot. I've complained about this vehicle several times, and, you know, the, the whole process of going through to get this and why she got it, she wanted a, a low monthly payment. And, and, you know, fine, you achieve that, but now you've got a car that's maybe something that you didn't expect it would be. I mean, it's right. nice when you're there on the lot. It's nice when you, you know, look at it compared to whatever you're trading in. But later on, you might have some uh, some regrets, some buyer's remorse in this mm-hmm. thing, uh, that you've bought that versus, you know, paying a few extra dollars more and getting a trim level higher that is a little bit more comfortable in some way, whatever way that would be. Now, things that you can typically expect in a, in a base model car, you can expect things like 
uh, like cloth seats. Now, that used to be vinyl seats back in the day. Yep, yep. Um, but cloth seats, you can expect steel wheels, very plain steel wheels, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. Uh, no hubcaps. You can expect um, no window tint, no floor mats in some cases, like in my wife's case. No sunroof, of course. Mm-hmm. Some cases, drum brakes on the vehicle. I mean, there's oh. still there's still vehicles that have drum brakes in the rear that are made here in the United States. That's a, a, The Honda Fit is one of those vehicles. Um, you might have the fog light delete plastic cap that goes on the uh, on the front. You know the, so <laughs> yeah. where there's supposed to be fog, fog lights and they just put right. a plastic cap there. And you can yeah. tell that they're supposed to be there, but they're not there. And your dash console is going to look weird. Did, did you know that for a long time in the Smart for 2 model, the, the most base Smart for 2 that you get, I think it was called the Pure and I, I don't know how long this applied because now they've changed it. But for a while, you could get those with no AC and no radio. Yeah, that was a, that was yeah. an option in those cars. Can you imagine a, a no AC, no radio car in, let's say it was 2013? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So uh, there's a lot of things that you you do and don't get with uh, with uh, with a base model car. And what you do get, I guess, would be a low payment. That's about the only benefit, really, I see. Um, there's a lot of articles mm-hmm. on this. And uh, a couple of things, you know, there's some interesting things that were written by Jalopnik about this and one from Auto Trader, another one from Yahoo Autos. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get into this too far, yeah, w- do you have kind of a general opinion about base model cars, Ben? Do you, do you, um, mm. do you support this idea? Because there's some people that say that's the way to go. You get a, you get a base model car because you, you get in the door that way. You get whatever it is, and then you can upgrade it as you want. You can add on. Uh. But do it on your own, not at the dealership. I see that, but that's that's kind of a broad brush to paint with, don't you think? Because there are some things that are going to be more of a hassle to do aftermarket than they would be just, you know, to get it done right from the factory. Exactly. So it, it's strange because base model stuff has evolved over uh, the past the past few years, especially the past few years, but overall for decades, you know, like once upon a time, of course, we know, uh, and, and listeners, some of, uh, some of us may be old enough to remember when AC was a fancy option, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. I've had I've had cars without AC, of course, mm-hmm. uh, because whoever bought the car new just simply didn't check that box. And, uh, you know, years later when I'm buying it used, I, I'm not so concerned about that as I am mm-hmm. about the price of the vehicle, and I, I want something that's economical or whatever. Yeah. And I ended up in that vehicle, but then I'm I'm sitting there sweating, thinking like, why didn't they check that box? Why didn't they get AC in this car? Because I'd like it now. I sure would like it, but I knew up front that it didn't have it when I bought it, so it's kind of my fault as well. I mean, that that gets passed on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's there's some interesting things like that that you got to consider, though. Um, you know, trim options, I guess, in cars. You know, that's that's the thing is, like, there's always going to be, you know, not always, not every time, but there's always going to be maybe, I keep saying always, maybe sometimes. There's often. Often. There are two or three other options or yeah, four yeah. options or maybe even more than that. You know, you can go up to different uh, trim levels, and that, that offers different, um, you know, standard packages. You know what used to irritate me when I was far too young uh, to buy any high-value thing like a laptop or a car or stuff like that? What used to irritate me as a kid was seeing varying pricing options for different versions of the same product and then thinking to myself, well, don't make me feel inferior buying, buying the lowest. Just give me, just only sell the best one. Why can't you sell just the best one? Yeah, just sell the GT model. Don't sell anything else. Right. Just give me the GT. Which obviously, I mean, obviously that's not going to well, work. The, the problem is when it's brand new, Getting that GT option in the car might be another ten or twelve thousand dollars or more, depending on what they offer. Right. When 
but later uh, when you sell, okay, there's there's other thought processes going on mm-hmm. later when you're when you're trying to buy a used vehicle, but a new car, sometimes those options are very very expensive. Sometimes you can look at it and say like, well, I don't need a a six speaker sound system. I can add an aftermarket system you can for do, a few hundred yeah, dollars. Yeah, that's a great example. That's a better version than what I would ever get from the factory, anyways. Mm-hmm. And you know. All costs considered, you know that that factory that factory radio is going to be twelve hundred dollars. I can put one in for six hundred dollars and have somebody install it for another hundred bucks. I have a buddy who will do it for beer. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's the way a lot of people feel about this. So, with sound system, it makes sense. Okay, here's my here's my thing. Yeah. If I'm am I interrupting? No, no. Go right. ahead. So my concept of this uh, relies on the following assumption assumptions rather. One, it really depends on the specific vehicle we're talking about. Two, the most general thing I can say is that personally, I don't uh, I don't put too much stock in the cosmetic or aesthetic stuff. While I get that it might be nice, for instance, to have uh, the, the custom metallic gray paint or something yeah. like that, for instance, if it doesn't affect the performance of the vehicle, then to me, I don't care as much. They're, they're the basics. I, of course, I want a working radio or sound system. Of course, I want AC and a heater. Yeah, you want comfortable seats. You want, uh, you want air conditioning. You want, uh, power windows. Right. But I don't live in an environment where I need a heated seat. I don't live in an environment or in a lifestyle really where I need to have, um, a sunroof. Sunroofs are nice. Yeah, but wouldn't sure. it be nice to have tinted windows on a car instead of having just, you know, flat, you know, plain glass that's see-through all the way around so you're not like driving in a fishbowl all the time? That's true. And, you know, it's a safety issue as you well. You used to have some heavy tint on that Honda. Able to, I, I do now on my new one too. I, <laughs> I guess you haven't seen it in a while. It looks, it feels good. No, no, I, I drove by. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't see it because my windows were so dark. <laughs> no, but, there's some but you things, see what I'm saying? I, I totally get it. Anything that's cosmetic, really, is something that you're not particularly interested in paying, paying a premium for. Mm-hmm. And I get that. So the question is, I mean, there's a, a bunch of questions here, and I'm going to get to a couple other quick things that I'm going to speed through so we can get onto your topic, too. But um, another question. In fact, I'm going to have like two or three along the way here. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so why do, they, why do manufacturers even offer a base model at all? Why don't they just make one like you oh, said, right? Oh, the question. But the idea is, and I think this is so that they can always advertise that starting price. Yeah. So they can say, that you know, MSRP. Exactly right. They can, so, so almost everybody ends up spending more money when they get to the dealer to get the, you know, the nicer version of the same car, you know, like a higher trim level. Yeah. Almost everybody does that. I don't know? have the numbers, but it seems like. Buying a base model for a lot of vehicles is relatively rare. Well, it is, and then here's part of the reason. And I, I know that advertising works like this in a lot of places. And and pay attention to this the next time you see it. And I've warned listeners about this before. But when you see a car advertised for a very low price, yeah, and it's a base model car, like like the Nissan Altima S or whatever the model okay. is, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what models they have. I forgot, but uh, a Nissan Altima. And they advertise it for a, a really seemingly very low price, something you've never seen re- before, even like an Internet offer or anything like that. It's very low. The code word is reasonable. A lot of times what you'll see is a stock number associated with that, and that means they have one vehicle at that price. And that's for uh, all of uh, southeast you know, or, or north, oh, wow. you know, southeast Atlanta or whatever, yeah. you know, the, the region would be, you know, like all of um, West Texas or whatever. How is that even legal? It, well, they do. They do that, and they, they advertise that one. But they might also say – we have five available for this price, and and you have to get in there and get one of those five that are available for that. Uh, you know, otherwise, it doesn't apply to everyone. And they might have twenty other cars in the lot that are that are than Altima, 
but a higher trim level. It feels like by the time you see that commercial, those five have already been well, purchased. I, I think that's the way it is, really. I think that happens to a lot of people. They go in to get that one, and then they say, oh, you know what? That one was just sold, but uh, let me show you this, uh, the Ultima ST or whatever. You know, I, mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if they have an ST or not, but uh, they show you the, the one trim level package higher, and then they say, well, if you like that, then we've got this right here, and you take it, take you to another you know, aisle, and they've got five more of another one that's, you know, 10,000 more, 5,000 more. Just a little bit extra. Yeah, and it's always just a little bit more, a little bit more. And that's the, see, that's the thing. My wife, I, this is good about this. She went in not wanting to spend a lot on a monthly payment, wanted a cheap lease payment. Right. And she stuck to her guns. She stuck to exactly what she wanted. She, and in that way, she got what she wanted. But <laughs> caveat in Man, right? was it, man, was it just devoid of any kind of extras. I mean, Be it really is. I mean, it's nice looking. Does it have a radio? It does have a radio. Does it does have AC. Tires? Honestly, it's not a care. And that's the thing. I'm probably, like, I'm probably comparing this vehicle to, um, maybe I'm not making a fair comparison is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, because mm-hmm. when you look at base models, as you said, from years past, they were completely devoid of anything. I mean, they had almost nothing in them. They were oh, yeah. really, really just uh, just rattle traps. They were just <laughs> I mean, nothing, sparse vehicles. Stripper cars is what they would call them because mm-hmm. they were they were totally stripped of anything of, of value, really. Right. Just um, an engine and the stuff to make the engine run and a place for the driver to sit. Yeah, exactly right. And, and now, I mean, this thing is, for that, you know, five years ago, this thing would be loaded, but mm-hmm. now it's like it's got blank buttons and things like that, you know, where, where there should be features. So... Oh, that, that kind of leads us into this next quick thing that I want to talk about. Yeah. Jalopnik had an article about four reasons why you should never, ever buy a base model car. And I'll just, I, I was going to read through a bunch of these, but maybe I'll just read them off in order. All right. Yeah. yeah. Number four, the base model is the cheapest car the company could possibly make. It's like they, um, you know, are hunting for every nickel and dime they can to save on the, on the thing. So uh-huh. I think, as I said earlier, it's, it's like the worst version of that model and that make of car that you can get. Why would you put yourself through that? That's uh, that's that's one thing. And, and now, I know that there are instances where that's what you need to do. You need to get a, a sure. cheap car. And a lot of times they'll point to uh, small pickup trucks mm-hmm. where that's the idea is that you just want something to haul things. You don't care about AC. You don't care about power windows or all that stuff. You just want a vehicle that's capable of doing it. That's not the case with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, and this one might require some more explanation, but I don't know if we have time. Uh, you likely won't miss the extra money you'll spend on options. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. 
start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Now, that's a tough one to argue, but the way that he does it is he compares it to uh, to a mattress. Mm-hmm. The, the author here for Jalopnik, I think his name is uh, Freddie Hernandez. Freddie took a lot of heat for this article, by the way. If you read the comments, <laughs> if you read the comments for a lot of things, but he compares the money that you spend on extra options on your car if it's new to a mattress, and he says, "Here's why: because you spend a lot of time in your mattress, a lot of time sleeping. You want it to be the the best mattress you can get, even if it's a few dollars more. Mm-hmm. Same thing with your car. If you're going to be commuting daily to and from work, and you're going to be in the car for hours, and then hours multiplied out by months and weeks, or weeks and months and and years, becomes days, weeks, months in the car, spent in the car. That's true. That's and, a and good you, point. You've got to be comfortable. And he says, why skimp on a few dollars if you're going to be in this thing for ten years?" commuting, feeling miserable about not spending an extra $200 at the factory or the, uh, the dealer. That's true. 10 years ago. And that's, that's a point that, uh, we heard raised in our episode on PI cars. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Especially if you're spending a lot of time driving, like, yeah, the comfort level was, was critical for that, for that person. I remember, Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, number two would be a base model is worth less at resale. And this one comes back in another article here, but, um, Later on, when you're going to sell that vehicle, a base model, like let's say um, uh, you get the, uh, the the LX instead of the GT version, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't have power windows, it doesn't have, um, it has a V6 instead of a V8. <laughs> that stuff is going to come back to bite you later on when you're when you're selling the vehicle. Um, in some cases, that actually works for you. We'll we'll talk about that too. But like the ghost um, of dealerships past. The, the last one, and I know I'm not explaining that well enough, but there's reasons for it. The article is actually it does a good job of, of telling you. Um, dummy buttons and switches. Now, this is one that really bothers me. Mm-hmm. Whenever you get into a car and you see those blank plates, you know, where there should be an option or a feature that's not there, mm-hmm. for some reason that always bothers me. And I, I've had cars that have had a lot of those. I've had other ones that are fully loaded, you know, that I bought used, and none of those are, are in place. Um, I'm trying to think of my current vehicle. I don't think I have any dummy switches right now or, or anything blocked out. Of course, it doesn't have certain features that a newer model would have. Mm-hmm. But... For that model year, I think everything is there. I'm pretty sure. There's one area that kind of looks like dummy switches, but it, I think it's just an aesthetic thing. It's it's there for design to balance out the the look. There's, I've tried looking to see if there's an option that goes there, you know, like yeah. on other vehicles, and I've never seen one. Have you ever seen the? Uh, I, I'm sure you've seen 
the novelty switches that people drop in <laughs> yeah, where right. they've missed the option. So yeah. they say, okay, I'll put a switch that says ejector seat. Yeah, smoke screen or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right. Right. All right. So, you know, I, I hinted at, you know, the uh, uh, the prices. And here here's the thing. Um, Auto Trader also did an article called Buying a Car Should You Avoid a Base Model? And the answer, and this is a, a terrible answer initially, but I'll, I'll explain it. It depends. And that's a terrible answer. I understand that's uh, that's that's so wishy washy. But mm-hmm. they do they do explain what they mean. The the idea is short term versus long term. And this is what I'll wrap up with here. How about that? Okay. Uh, short term, the, uh, the the general advice would be do not go the no frills way if you're going to buy a car. Short term, uh, you should just go ahead and get whatever option, whatever version you want if you're planning to sell it soon. Right. Which yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess. I mean, the, the idea is that you're going to have to sell it, and then with other people in the market with a car that has more options than you do. It'll depreciate less. It, yes, that's right, because the other ones depreciate more, and then you also have to um, compete with the other people that are selling the, lo- the lower-end models and the higher-end models, and you'll have to uh, maybe you know compromise on your price a bit. So the resale thing is, is big on this. Now, if you're planning to keep your car long-term, and I, I, I question this one. Okay. If you're planning on keeping a car a long time, like more than six or seven years, getting a no-frills base model may not be such a bad idea, they say in this auto trader ad, or article, rather. Mm-hmm. And they say you probably won't lose too much additional value when the time comes to sell relative to a seller who has a well-equipped car. And the reason behind that is if you're talking about something that's long-term like that, not immediate, where in the last example that I said the short-term was like maybe a year or two when you're going to sell it, or three. Mm-hmm. In this case, if you're six or seven or eight years out and you're going to sell it, most of the time what people are looking for is um, they're concerned about maintenance and, and um, economy, like fuel economy. Right. And, you know, the, you know, the mileage. How, how good is it a mileage? Does it burn oil? Does it, you know, have you mm-hmm. maintained, you know, the brakes and all that? You the know, actual like, core functions. Exactly right. They're more concerned about the, uh, the, the simplistic things. Uh, you know, if you can call it simplistic, I guess, you know, the, the, uh, the overall running condition of the vehicle versus, uh-huh. uh, you know, that it doesn't have the, uh, the heated vibrating seats or something like that. Well, there is, there's also, there's a third thing. What seems a third thing would be the exclusivity of a certain package. Well, that's true. So I, I know that's a, a minority of car sales, but that, that goes into the realm of collecting. Yeah. You know? Well, some people also say that if you have a car with fewer features, like a base model, mm-hmm. that's less things to break. That's you know, that, true. Uh, could it save you money on maintenance, or or would it cost you more money on maintenance? In that, well, like yeah, like a sunroof is going to cost you money on maintenance. Yeah. If and, you own it for seven, eight years. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah, you're right because uh, you know the the channels will maybe fill up with right. you know, junk, Gunk. and it'll yeah, and then it'll leak into the car, and you know there can there can be problems with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I get it. The more features, the more frills, the more options you have, the more things can break. It's more moving parts, but, man. But then again, you know, like some people will even argue this. They'll say that. You know, if you uh, if you got a car with a lot of stuff like that, there's going to be features and, and options that you never will learn, or that will be very difficult for you to learn. But I, I say that's just part of the learning curve. You you have to learn that stuff if you want to use it along the way. Right. That's not really you know something that you can't overcome by any means. I mean, you you can learn how to do that, or you can just ignore it. If you don't want the Bluetooth connectivity, you don't have to use the Bluetooth connectivity. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a thing. You you don't have to use all that stuff if you don't choose to. It's it's right. maybe a waste if you buy it as a new option, you know, $1,500 option mm-hmm. for, like, you know, satellite navigation or something, and you don't use it. That'd be kind of silly. But if you 
buy it, you should plan to use it. And then if you do use it, then it becomes of value to you. Yeah, I completely agree. We've always one, – one thing we've always maintained on this show is that if it's your money, buy the car you want. Yeah. And uh, as far as if it's better, I mean, the it depends thing is not the most satisfactory answer, but I think no. they explain it well uh, when they say that this is this involves a confluence of several factors, right? Time owned, the type of car, the type of function you want it to perform. Is this your road trip car? Then if it's your road trip car, you might want to spring for a little bit extra in the seats, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this leads to maybe the last question that I have, really. And All we're right. not going to explore this one too deep, but maybe just think about this one. All right, I'm thinking. Are these types of cars, these base model cars, going to go extinct eventually? Do you think that they're going to go to a, uh, a system more like what you talked about, where they just sell one vehicle? You know, why, why offer that base model car? Mm. And, and the reason given in this Yahoo Autos article is that, um, well, you're not going to believe this, Ben. I, I, maybe you will. The seven-year car loan might be a reason that the base models will go extinct. And the idea uh, is that people can afford a, uh, a lower monthly payment on a car that they finance for up to seven years now. Uh, so they'll go for the, you know, the better trim level, the higher trim level oh, yeah, yeah, over, yeah. The, over the base model any day because they, want, they don't want to take a, a three-year car loan on a base model when they can have a seven-year car loan on the top-end model mm-hmm. and have their payment be just about the same. That's a really good point. Well, but man, financing a car for seven years? I mean, I think that I read somewhere that Experian found that the average car loan is now five and a half years. Wow. That's the average car loan is five and a half years. So that's way out from where it was. It used to be that you could only get a car loan for four years. Right. Then they pushed it a little bit more and a little bit more. And now we're out to like more. seven years. A further. And I would bet that there's even more out there. Oh, so, I can see it. So manufacturers and dealers are selling a lot more high-end or loaded models than they ever were before, but they still have to bring people in with those base model cars. I mean, there's psychology at play there as well, Scott. Yeah, listeners, you you know this just as well as I do. Uh, often it's easy for us as individuals to uh, sign up a tomorrow version of ourselves for all sorts of obligations, because we're all these ideal versions of ourselves in the future, aren't we? Well, I guess so. We're all in a little bit better shape. We're all a little bit better off socially and financially. (laughs) We've done all those goals. We're committing, in effect, psychologically, we're committing someone else to an obligation. Yeah, that's the way it works, I guess. And, you know, I just could not strap myself with a seven-year car loan. I know that it's... it's, uh, some people, it's a necessity that they do that. Just they, mm-hmm. they just at the time can't swing it. Sure, yeah. Um, but man, I, I I don't know. I I can't see financing a car for that that length of time. It would just be really really difficult for me to stomach that. No, I, I'm just saying that I, th- I think we're going to approach the time where you're almost going to look at it like a like a house mortgage. You know, like where they're right. going to offer for a student year, loan. Yeah, they're going to offer 15 year options on these things, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. I mean, if you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too, because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource, and paper products are designed to be recycled. 
In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Especially when you consider the depreciation of the vehicle yeah. over time. At what point is it no longer feasible to have well, a loan of that length? Well, I think we're already there. I think that it's seven years is, is uh, we're, we're past that point. So, all right. So that's just a, that's a lot to think about there. I yeah. understand. And that I, was a kind of a whirlwind tour of mine. And, and I wish I had more time to go over that, uh, that Jalopnik article. And if you get a chance, you know, take a look at it. But four reasons why you should never, ever buy a base model car is the article. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to be entertained, go into the comments section because <laughs> – he caught a lot of flack for that article when he wrote that and, uh, and wrote a lot of responses as well. And so. how many different usernames did you make when you were in the comments? <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't me at all. I just, I just stumbled across this, but I thought it was an interesting question and I hope it makes uh, some people think. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of that, the human element. It's your vehicle. What do you want? What are you using it for? And how many of those, uh, how many of those upgrades are cosmetic or aesthetic how many are oriented toward you as a person how many or are oriented toward performance of the vehicle yeah absolutely to each his own i mean if that's if that's your thing go for the base model that's fine but uh you know there there are arguments for and against that uh just about every turn and here's the segue okay no literally here in the studio is no kidding (laughs) here here's uh here is our segue into the mystery topic for you my friends This concerns racing, this concerns electric vehicles, this concerns the news, this concerns darn near everything but human beings recently announced or recently revealed the designs for the first electric autonomous race cars. Oh, okay. Is this the, uh, this is the Robo um, race. This is the Formula E thing. Is uh-huh. that right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the uh, picture of the car and I got to say, that's a, that's a cool looking concept. Yeah. I mean, I really like that. It's created. I've got some background for you here. This is created by huh. uh, a guy named Daniel Simon who designed uh, that 
who designed that flying pod in the Tom Cruise movie Oblivion. He also designed stuff for Tron, the new Tron. Oh, I can see the influence remake. in that here. Yeah. yeah. So this is uh, it's called Robo Race, right? This yeah. is uh, driverless racing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they go with this design, uh, that might just be worth it to watch to see a bunch of these cars. On that the, on that the track. is the design. Oh, that is the design. They're going to go the with this definite design. Oh, that's it was pretty amazing. Recently announced, it was in the the idea for this was in the works for a while, but they hadn't published any photos. Now, have we talked about this in the past? Only only in passing. In that, uh, I think that. I, I want to say that it was Rudy wrote in again and said, uh, you know, if we're going to do this, if we're going to go full robo racing, if we're going to mm-hmm. have, um, you know, just all electric and, and no human element involved, not at all. Why Other don't we than, just go, yeah. why don't we go full destruction? Yeah. Why yeah, don't yeah. we, uh, you know, have a jam car going the opposite direction? Why don't we, uh, you know, just somewhere in the middle plan for a pileup? Yeah. The only, the only human element that I can see in these vehicles, which look like stylized stuff you would see in anime, honestly. I, they, they look great. We'll post some pictures on Twitter if we haven't yet, so you can check them out. But the only human elements are going to be in the actual assembly and engineering and design of the vehicles, which will all be identical in terms of their specs. Mm-hmm. And the uh, creation of programming, of algorithms. Okay, so okay, that's that was maybe that answers my question. That's the because, ultimate competition. Well, okay, so the, the the cleverness, the craftiness of the people that that uh, the program these. Yes. That is where the the benefit is going to be. That's, that's where the, the where that, comp, that's the real race. That's the uh, that's the racer's edge right there, right? right I mean, that's yeah. uh, so Okay, so so now when uh, you know a, a racer sees a gap and they go for it, uh, maybe the electric, electric version won't do that because it senses that you now there's danger ahead, or, you know, or, or will it be programmed to go for every gap that it sees? Will it be programmed more like an aggressive driver would be? I would guess that it's it have to, right? That's the interesting part, right? The thing is, if we looked at these designs, what we see is that removing a human driver allows for some potentially brilliant uh, engineering moves. Now we don't have to consider we being the engineers and the designers don't have to consider the placement of a human being in the vehicle. It means several things. It can be much lower. It can also, uh, we can also move batteries and motors uh, again, because these are electric vehicles to the place that's best for the car's gravity, best for the tires. Th- this thing now potentially can become a much better driver in some ways than a human driver because reaction time may also change, right? Reaction time may evolve. Uh, the The idea here is that these vehicles will have a top speed of around 186 miles per hour, which means it's faster than the Formula E electrics that are 140, and it's also faster than Audi's self-driving RS7, which Very is cool. a little under 150. Wow, that's a fast. That's a fast high speed or top speed rather. Yeah. Um. I I gotta say I I, I had not seen this design. This is amazing, really. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look it up, uh, Robo Race, you'll find the uh, the first design here. It's supposed uh, to come out um, with um in this year or next year. Okay. I I man, I would maybe consider watching this. I I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Formula E. I just right, don't like right. the electric race. I don't like the way the sound or whatever. But this is a this is like a different twist on the whole I thing. I think isn't this it? is different enough because Formula E 
had something missing to me. Like I, while I could intellectually appreciate the idea, it didn't get me excited. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, but this, this is a little bit different. They're going to have 10 teams each with two cars and they're going to go on hour long races in the same street circuits Formula E cars compete on. Uh, the, this replaces some other things, but one interesting thing, one interesting thing here, one of those 10 teams will be a crowdsourced community team. So just people who are software and technology experts. And if you are listening to this show and you would like to be involved with that, then I would say, Right to Robo Racer. See what the scoop is. Oh, absolutely. And I wonder if they're going to be have like a rotation, so you wouldn't be working on this the whole year long. Mm-hmm. You maybe work on one race. I don't know. How, how I'm interested in how that would work. But uh, how fun would that be to be involved in that? Um, you know, if you had a, a talent like that for for this type of vehicle or this type of programming mm-hmm. that you could be a part of. Um, um, I guess I don't know if it'd be internationally recognized or just nationally recognized at this point. But uh, that, that type of uh, that type of level of um, uh, uh, visibility, I suppose. You right. know, that, uh, I don't know if they're going to be um, aired on television or what. This is all so new. I don't really know a lot about this series. Right. It's still um, early days of development. Yeah, really early days. But, man, does it look cool. I mean, it's a it's a fascinating design. And, I mean, it looks like one of those cars, too, that, you know, they always bring out these concept vehicles that they have no intention of, of ever building. But right. But if they can really build it this way, if that's the actual design they're going with, what what a cool series to watch. And what kind of maneuvers will these be capable of? Yeah, are we going to be watching like a race where there's no passing at all? Are we, it's just going to be because that's that's one of the uh, the critiques that um, F1 gets a lot is that there's very little passing. Right. And uh, other types of racing get that as well. You know, like the IROC series where that's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but like the IROC series where they're so closely matched, the cars are, that it sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it becomes almost a boring race in that there's not a lot of movement, not a lot of activity. The cars are so so precisely matched that yeah. uh, that it really takes you know the, the driver's skill in order to make them overcome that. So in this case, it would be whoever's programming them and mm-hmm. and deciding here's where I make my move every time. I try this every single time, or maybe we wait ten laps and then we make our move in this spot on the track. And and we and but it has to rely on everything else that's happening too. Like you have to know. The situation exactly, and man, what a, what a fascinating thing to to think about. There's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, here's here's one. I'm just spitballing here, folks. But imagine this: so ten teams each get two cars. What if it's a uh, you know right now these are like support teams, you know, or it's a support race. But what if there is a big big race, all twenty cars out on the track, right? And maybe different variations in the software for each individual vehicle. But what if one team does a uh, a suicide move? This Rudy, this goes kind of in line with what you were telling us earlier in that email, um, or proposing earlier in that email. What if the team with two cars? What if they have one of their cars purposefully wreck in a way that creates the most chaos amongst the other eighteen vehicles, and then leaves? Vehicle number 20 or vehicle number 19 or whatever uh, that's also on the same team is the only thing with the programming to avoid this very specific sort of accident. <laughs> so is that uh, illegal yet? Gaming the race is what they would be doing, right? I mean, it's, uh, are you kidding? They're costing people millions of dollars. It's such a terrible move. Well, that would be rough, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I guess any team could do that right now, really. I mean, you could cause you could cause mayhem on the track. You would be complete. I mean, you would 
face the uh, the consequences. Of I that, think you would be banned. I think especially the driver would be hated forever. The yeah. team owner would be hated forever. If that was if that was a strategy, if that was a plan of a t- of a racing team, they wouldn't last long. That's the thing. No. Now, now in this series, I would better be the same way because you're right. They're probably. I mean, I'm going to guess it's a million dollar car. It looks like a million dollar car. I don't it's, know. I don't really yeah. know how much it costs, but um, it, just a ballpark <laughs> somewhere around there. It's got to be. Um, I guess you wouldn't have to pay. Uh, you wouldn't have to pay a, a healthy driver salary. You know, like they, they do now. Like you know, right. guys that are they're paying fifty million dollars to race in you know Formula One or whatever. I'm just I'm um, wondering what would happen. You know. Like, well, I don't know. That's an inter- that's a really interesting thought. I mean, I suppose they could block. They could uh, you know they could work together in that way. Um, right, as long as it wasn't causing wanton destruction. Yeah, I suppose you're. I mean, you're almost talking about like oh, you hang back and you hang back and then you take out the leader and then uh, and then everybody <laughs> piles up behind them and but you know that's coming so that the the teammate car slows down and makes its way around and creeps around. That's funny. Yeah, that's how I used to play Risk. <laughs> I used to take over Australia, so you still generate a couple armies every turn yeah. and then just hold uh Thailand or Siam as it's called in the game and then wait till it gets down to maybe 3 people and make uh make an offer surreptitiously to the other one, team up and then betray them. Anyway, I guess I can't play Risk with anybody now <laughs> if you listen to your, car stuff. Your complete strategies out there. It's, it's, it's not I, public. It's over. I'm going to have to make up something new. <laughs> that's funny, Ben. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's. I guess that's kind of the way that we're talking about here, that they could work together on a team and, and do it that way. Now, I wonder if the 10, 10 teams, two cars, means that they race 10 vehicles on the track at a time. You have a backup car, probably. I think so. I don't think there's. A, I don't think there's a situation where a team has – both of their vehicles on the track at the same time. It is an interesting thought, though. It is an interesting thought. Uh, I would, if I were watching a film or fictionalized account of this, I would love for that kind of just morally reprehensible strategy to be in play once. But in real life, I don't think it's sporting. Yeah, no, not at all. It would almost be like uh, something out of a movie or something, you know, exactly. where that would happen. Yeah, that's, a, boy, that's an interesting thought, though. I mean, there's, a, there's so many... Um, so many possibilities with this, mm-hmm. really. I mean, uh, you know, Rudy's angle of, you know, complete destruction and running just crazy races where... I love um, it. It's so metal. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's a funny idea. Or, or um, you know, I think when we first talked about this, we weren't sure if they were going to have something where someone's actually controlling the vehicle from the pit right. box. Right. And uh, it seems like that's not the case with these vehicles. It seems like it's going to be something that's just programmed and they just let it run the race mm-hmm. and see what happens. No, there will probably be... I imagine there would still be a pit stop thing. It says, you know, their race, their race times are going to be one hour, but I imagine there has to be something built in there to check programming or if the, you know, if there's not a function, tire well, pop, something you know, like that. Well, yeah, I guess that, but I mean, all that stuff can be monitored, of course. They'll know if they have a flat tire. They're going to know if they, uh, they're low on batteries or whatever, but I would bet that that one hour time is based on the, uh, the battery, uh, durability. You know, that's probably their, their full range. Hmm. If I had to guess. I mean, that's, that's typically how they limit these races. Although I think Formula E, they actually come in, they come in for a car change in the middle of a Formula E race. Do you know that? Yeah, it hurt that. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the driver hops out of the, the driver, the vehicle that they're currently in, hops into their, uh, their backup car with a fresh battery and then heads, mm-hmm. uh, heads out. That's, uh, that's one of the reasons I don't like Formula E. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say how much of that is just the limitation of the battery technology. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, that's what it is. It just runs low and then you got to uh, get a fresh battery and, Rather than swapping out batteries on the track, they they swap out cars. In in current Formula E, mm. I don't know what they're going to do with this uh, this Robo racing, but it sure looks cool. Well, they're all base models. Oh, 
I guess they would be, right? Yeah. They're all exactly the same. I don't know if you can call them base models, though. They're all, okay. They're all the top-end models, really. They're all the top-end models, you're right. All the bells and whistles that are allowed are probably in use. I would guess so, yeah. Well, what do you think, listeners? Thanks for tuning in to our mystery show. Scott, I think we did pretty well. being uh, considering that both of us were kind of shooting from the hip on this one. Yeah, we only knew half the show, really. <laughs> we only knew half the show. That's e- right. Each of us knew half the show. For our double feature. Yeah. Uh, well, let us know what you think. Do you feel that there are some things manufacturers consider options that must be included when you buy a car? Yeah, and uh, and what are your thoughts on this whole robo-race thing? I mean, is it going to pan out? Is it going to be something that uh, people will really watch? We'll, are you going to watch it? We'll, we'll go to go to see, or do you think that maybe it will remain a support race, you know, something that has just run along with another bigger mm-hmm. form of racing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. The jury's out, but we will learn pretty soon oh, what's happening. Also, just tell us what you think about these cars, too. I mean, the one that we're looking at is in the Verge, and, uh, again, it's just look up robo-race, and you'll see the car. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's got that blue and yellow paint job. Um, Very cool. And I love the way that they, uh, I can't even talk about it too much. We're, we're out of time. Uh, check in and let us know. Let us know what you think of these vehicles, the future of autonomous racing. And if you also have uh, a story about bait or advice for other listeners about options to avoid or consider mandatory, uh, let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. We've got pictures of Robo Racer uh, that will be up there shortly. And you can uh, also Write to us directly. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.